Hi, my name is Kayla and this is Feel Good Murders. This podcast was originally started to be a distraction from life. It was actually started to help my mom be distracted from what she had going on. And I like to call her the board of directors for my podcast. So both of us hope that this is a distraction for you as well. And normally I say, I hope you're chilling out while you watch this episode or listen to this episode. But today, if you are rage cleaning, if you are pissed off at your boss because they make more money than you, but they can't figure out how to turn a document into a PDF, I'm here for you. And we are here talking about true crime for our mental health. So let's get started. Just a little warning about today's episode. I'm going to be talking about some adult content and I don't just mean murder, I mean consensual adult activities. So if you have little ones in the room, probably put on some headphones, but let's get started. Today I'm going to be telling you about the murder of Betty Gore, more commonly known as the story of Candy Montgomery, the Texas housewife who killed her secret lover's wife out of jealousy. Or is that really what happened? So in general, I try to keep this podcast as victim central as possible. So I will be telling you about Betty Gore, but first I have to start with Candy. So Candy was born Candace Lynn Wheeler on November 15th, 1951 in Lucas, Texas. And Candy was an army brat. So that means that at this time it was her father that was in the army. And I don't know why they call children of army service members army brats, but that's what they're called. And basically it means that she grew up moving around a lot, moving around from military town to military town. And while I don't know what it's like to grow up as an army brat, I do know military life. And I can tell you that military towns usually suck. They're just like dirty and weird people live there. But as an adult, Candy went out on her own and ended up meeting a man named Pat Montgomery. So Pat was an electrical engineer at Texas Instruments. And that's Texas Instruments like the calculators that we all had to buy in high school. What Was that a universal thing? Like when I was in high school, we all had to buy the TI-84 calculator and it was not cheap from what I remember, but we all had to buy it. So was that a universal thing? Do they still do that? Or was it just where I live? So it was said that Pat, when he met Candy, he wasted no time marrying Candy. He was totally taken with her. And so Candy Wheeler became Candy Montgomery. The two lived in small town Wiley, Texas and had a cute little life together. In 1973, Candy and Pat welcomed their first child, a beautiful little daughter named Jenny. And then just a year later in 1974, welcomed their son, Ian. But when this story takes place, Ian isn't really a part of it yet. So when this case takes place, Candy is 30 years old. She's a thin woman with very curly blonde hair and she had, she wore those big 80s glasses. And the defense attorney later on in this case would describe Candy as, quote, a really outgoing, likable person. So Candy sang in the church choir, she taught Sunday school. She was just this regular Texas church-going, lovable housewife. So Candy and Pat have their two children. Pat is an engineer and makes some money and Candy is a stay-at-home wife and mom. And the two are seemingly living this little idyllic life in Texas together. And so they start going to church as well. They attended the first Methodist church and the source that I was reading for this part of my research said that Candy attended church and didn't specifically say that Pat joined her, but 
I'm going to guess that the two of them went together. I feel like it would be unusual for just one spouse to go. So I'm going to say that they went together, they probably went together, and they probably practiced religion together as well. So regardless, one Sunday service, Candy meets another woman named Betty Gore. Betty was about 28 at the time, and she had pretty brown hair and a cute round face, and she just had those kind of kind eyes, you know what I mean? So a quick background on Betty, she was a middle school teacher who was married to a man named Alan who she met in college when she was a teaching assistant. Alan was an engineer just like Pat Montgomery, and he worked at a place called Rockwell International. Alan and Betty got married in 1970 and eventually welcomed their first daughter, Alicia. So Candy and Betty really hit it off. They became best friends, and they had a mutual friend named Donna Mendez who described them as, quote, they were the ones who brought homemade potato salads to the PTA picnics. And I think that's just kind of a 1980s Texas housewife way of saying they had it together. They were average, sweet women, and they kind of had it together. And it sounds like both families as a whole got along really well too, because the Montgomery's daughter Jenny and the Gore's daughter Alicia were besties. They became inseparable. So the year is now 1978, and Candy is at the church volleyball court. Remember, Candy's really involved in the church. She's in the choir, and now she goes to these volleyball practices as well. So at this particular practice, she runs into Alan Gore, her best friend Betty's husband. And they start chatting a little bit, and the vibe between them is a little spicy. It's a little electric. So these two start flirting with each other and eventually I guess they can't get enough of each other because their flirting turns into an affair. And when I was researching for this case, the words I read were, they agreed to an affair. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? How do you agree to an affair? So literally, Candy and Alan got together one day and made a pros and cons list of having an affair. I mean, they really laid it out. And they made ground rules. For example, they said, okay, this is just sex. So if either one of us catches feelings, then we'll call it off. So they made a lot of rules like that, and they agreed to meet once every two weeks. They would have lunch, which Candy was told to provide, and then they would do the deed. And they routinely met at the Como Motel to be together. I guess it was kind of exciting for them. Also, I was watching a YouTube video as part of my research for this case, and the woman that I was watching said that they chose a date to start their affair on. I mean, when they plan this out, they really plan this out. So they chose a date, and the woman in the YouTube video referred to that date as D-Day. I was like, come on, D-Day. <laughs> so this affair went on for 11 months. I mean, that's quite a while. But it stopped suddenly when Alan decided to call it off when Betty had their second child. So he didn't stop the affair when she got pregnant, but he did stop it when she gave birth. So that's something. Basically, he just wanted to focus on his marriage and try to do better in that area. And Candy was not happy. I mean, she had begun to catch feelings for Alan, so this was really hurtful to her. And this is where things turn tragic because on June 13th, 1980, Alan Gore took a business trip to Minnesota. Meanwhile, they had arranged for the Montgomerys to take care of Alicia for a little bit because remember, they had a newborn baby at this time and Betty needed some time with the new baby alone, which is totally understandable. So Alicia went to the Montgomery house, but before Candy took her there, she went to stop by the Gore house to pick up a swimsuit for Alicia. So... 
At this time, Alicia is at church, so Candy was going to stop at the house, pick up a swimsuit, and then go pick her up from the church and take her to her house. So Candy goes over there, Alicia's at church, and the new baby is upstairs asleep in the crib. So Candy arrives at the Gore house, and this is when Betty confronts her about the affair. Betty says, are you having an affair with Alan? And Candy says, no, 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 of course not. But Betty says, but you did, didn't you? So Candy confessed to the affair, but she said, it's over, it's been over for a while. And I think at this point, it had been over for about six months. And what would happen next is so intense and so tragic. It was at this point that Betty went over to the garage and grabbed an axe and intimidated Candy with it and she threatened her and said, don't ever see Alan again. So it seemed like Betty was trying to come off tough but was kind of clumsy and kind of not together. But she ended up putting the axe down and then the two of them went about their business getting Alicia's stuff ready to go over to the Montgomery house. So Candy went over to their utility room where the washer and dryer and all that stuff was and she went to grab the swimsuit for Alicia. And at the same time, Betty went to go grab a towel for her. And it was at that point that Candy, seeing how hurt Betty still was, tried to reach out and comfort her. But this made Betty snap. She went back over and grabbed the axe and started attacking Candy with it. So the two are fighting, trying to get control of the axe. I mean, this has turned into a full-on brawl fight to the death. So at one point, Candy's toe gets cut, which can later be seen in evidence photos. So they are continuing to shove and kick and fight and just try to get control of the axe. Two separate occasions, apparently Candy had tried to make an escape, but Betty kept going after it. So this is an intense battle at this point and eventually Candy does get control of the axe and she starts swinging at Betty with it. She hits Betty with the axe 41 times. 28 of those are in the head. So Betty is then dead on the floor with 41 axe wounds. And at that point, Candy changes her shoes and washes herself off and leaves the house like nothing had happened. So we know that Betty is dead at this point, but Alan doesn't know that. So he later that day tries to call Betty to just try to check in like husbands do. But obviously Betty wasn't picking up, so he was starting to get a little worried. He called the neighbors to go to try to check on her, so they do. And they go knock on the door and she doesn't answer. So Alan actually eventually calls Candy and says, have you heard from Betty? And so she goes, do you want me to go check up on her? So Alan doesn't have Candy go check up on Betty, but he's really worried at this point. I mean, they have a newborn baby and he's worried that something happened to the baby. So he calls the neighbors again and says, okay, I'm really worried. Can you please get in my house no matter what you have to do? So the neighbors go back over there and it's at that point that they realize that the front door had been unlocked the whole time. So that's when they go inside and they find Betty dead on the floor in a massive puddle of blood. Based on what they saw, they thought that Betty had been shot in the head or she shot herself in the head because the scene was so gruesome. I mean, remember, Betty had 41 axe wounds, so her body had been badly mutilated and there was just blood everywhere. It really sounded like something out of a horror movie. So police are called and they arrive on the scene and upon their initial investigation, they do find a bloody shoe print. And based on the size of the shoe, they think that the shoe print could have been from an adolescent or a woman. And they also find blood on the wall in the bathroom and on the drain. So that tells them that the killer washed themselves off before leaving the scene. And as we know, 
Candy was the last person to see Betty alive, so the police obviously questioned her. And she tells them the same thing that she basically told Ellen. Yes, I was there that morning, but I left. However, a five-year-old neighbor and friend of Alicia's said that she saw Candy leave the house around 11 a.m. So finally, a few days later on June 17th, Alan did come forward to the police about the affair with Candy. And 10 days later on June 27th, after Alan came forward to the police about the affair and after refusing to take a polygraph, Candy was then arrested for the murder of Betty Gore. In trial, Candy's defense team put forward the self-defense theory. They say that Betty attacked her, so she hit her with the axe out of self-defense. On the other hand, a psychiatrist from Houston theorized that Candy could have been triggered from childhood memories and could have blacked out during the murder. He even put Candy under hypnosis before the trial, which uncovered some childhood memories. So the trial lasted eight days and the jury deliberated for three hours before finding Candy Montgomery not guilty of the murder of Betty Gore. After the trial, Candy and Pat packed up their things, understandably, and moved to Georgia only to later be divorced a few years later. And rumor has it that Candy now lives somewhere in Georgia as a free woman and, get this, she's a licensed family and marriage counselor. I don't know about that. I don't think I would have her counsel my marriage, but that's just me. Candy is 74 today, and the widely accepted narrative from this case is that Candy was jealous of Betty because of the affair with Alan and just snapped and killed her, even though that doesn't really corroborate with the story I just told you. Personally, she can plead self-defense all she wants, but she left the newborn baby upstairs alone in the crib for hours, only to be found by the neighbors later that day when they found Betty's body. So that's that doesn't really sit right with me. But let me know what you guys think. I really like to hear your opinions on this case. Do you think it was self-defense? Do you think she snapped? Let me know. So there is also a five-part Hulu show about this called Candy, where Jessica Biel plays the reenactment of Candy. And then there's also another limited series on HBO Max where Elizabeth Olsen also plays the reenactment. Um, she plays Candy in that role. So I personally haven't watched them yet because I don't like to watch stuff like that before I release episodes because I don't want to confuse fact with fiction. But I've heard they're really good, so definitely give them a try. So that is the story of the murder of Betty Gore and killer Kennedy Montgomery. Definitely let me know what you all think about this story and be sure to like and subscribe, and follow, give a rating if you're feeling ambitious. I just appreciate you all being here so much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and as always, I hope it distracted you from what you have going on in your life. I'll see you next time. Be good and feel good. Bye!